0: Hey, everyone. It's Tom Kradza. And before we get into this episode, which is a little bit of a doozy, and I'll explain in a good way, um, I just want a couple of quick announcements. Um, We have the Rockstar Entrepreneur Summit coming up on June 7th and 8th. So this is something, whether you are a Rockstar member of ours or you're not, you are invited to check this out. We have some early bird pricing going on um, for this. This is something we started last year because of the demand was so good and the response was so good, we agreed to do it again. So we're doing it again in June 7th and 8th. It's a full two-day event. Um, And it's basically where we're sharing all the strategies that we've learned over the years and how we've applied different marketing, business, and operation strategies to create our own business. So if you are an entrepreneur, if you've started your own business, um, or if you've been in business for a little while and you want to take it to the next level, or if you are thinking about quitting your job and going into business, this might be somewhere where you can get some real practical information. And the reason that we're so proud of this is this is the stuff that we're using day to day on the streets to grow Rockstar. It's the stuff that we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars um, on education, traveling around North America to different conferences, both business conference, marketing conferences, masterminds, hiring business coaches to teach us this stuff. And we're kind of sharing it all. And if you know anyone who knows us, you'll know we really give it all and put it all on the line here. And this is something that uh, we're really proud to put together. So it's a two-day thing. It's the Rockstar Entrepreneur Summit, June 7th and 8th. Um, You can get more information on what's going to happen um, during those two days at this website, it's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit and summit is S-U-M-M-I-T. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. You can find all the details. We have some early bird pricing going on right now. We will be raising the pricing um, so you can check that out there. And... Um, with that, I think we can now segue over to the uh, episode. So we interviewed Dave Butler. Um, Dave, we met him. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to let you guys hear this. This uh, We uh, we go all over the map from talking about the latest five-year raids to uh, Dave's bookie operation in high school. So uh, I think I'm just going to not even give you any more than uh, than that just so that you can enjoy this episode. We had fun recording it. I hope you enjoy it too. We hope you enjoy it as well. And with that, let's kick it off um, was one of the first people who was in mortgages. So by the way, I should mention it's myself Tom Kradza Nick Kradza is here um, and Dave Butler's here But before Dave even speaks I have to share that Dave Butler was one of the first people that Nick and I sat down with and we said Dave Can we go out for lunch with you Dave? You're already in mortgages at this point. And i are like Nick Do you know this guy Dave? Can we go out for lunch with this guy? Because I we kind of have this idea Let's run it by this guy so we we took you to some Mexican restaurant in downtown Oakville that doesn't exist anymore. I drive by it all the time and it I was look a good at place, it. Though. Me- Mexicali, Mexicali Rosa. That yeah. was yeah. Mexicali I Cali I tell Roses. my son every time I drive by, that's the place where we met with Dave and, and told him about our business idea. And Nick and I took out Dave uh, you for lunch and we said Dave we got this idea where we're going to work exclusively with investors and we're going to do some investment real estate. We're going to do a lot of this thing called rent to own and, you know, eventually we'll do other stuff like student rentals and help people flip and uh, legal second suites. But, you know, we're going to work exclusively with investors. Do you think, you know, this can work? Like, can you work with us? And I don't even remember what you said, but you gave us confidence that you were the only person who said, yeah, I think this can work. Do you remember what you said or no?
1: Uh, I know that the premise would have been that I was super excited to see other people super excited uh, with regards to something, or anything in real estate and mortgages. So it felt like uh, the energy was very similar to what I had had when I had started a year or two earlier. And it was it, the synergy was there. I mean, you guys were thinking about getting into real estate, and I was just beginning to run a mortgage company. So it made sense.
2: Yeah, Dave. I remember Dave said, he goes, Yeah, it sounds good. He was the first person because we had a couple other people bash the idea, and you were the first person who was like, Hey, guys, yeah, it sounds good. And we're like, Wow, okay. He said, Yeah. <laughs> There's one person. He, yeah. he was literally the only one. But I in the back of the head, he was just thinking about referrals. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, yeah I'm in oh, it just means mortgages, mean mortgages? a real estate business. This is a great <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah.
1: yeah. We're around yeah. the same age. I mean, it, start, it started to make sense. No, you know what? I, I think you know the truth is, uh, I, I had just started a couple years earlier, and uh, Nick and I had known each other for a couple years through a mutual acquaintance, and. Uh, you guys are coming to me with a bunch of energy wanting to take me out you know, for lunch and tell me about what you guys are planning on doing and it made complete sense to me. I needed a niche. I mean, I was a 20, I don't know, 24, 25-year-old kid effectively and getting into mortgages, which is an industry dominated by pretty much older people. Uh, it's not something a bunch of new people were getting into. So to be able to create our own network of some youth and some energy, that that was the most appealing to me.
0: Uh, you know I just remembered something else Nick told me the first time uh, he got your business card. Nick, do you remember this? You were yeah. I think you were at Gold's Gym. Yeah, G- it was at Gold's, Gold's Gym. Gold's <laughs> Gym working out and some guy meanders over to you and says, "Hey, uh you do some real estate or buy
2: some no, property?" No, no, he said, "Hey, you're Ro- you you said, "Hey, you're Rockwell's buddy." Yeah. Because we had a mutual friend that he played hockey with. Yeah. And it. I'm like, yeah. And and you know, Gold's <laughs> Gym at that time, the, the one in Mississauga, it was it was full of just meat. We were all just meatheads. There, yeah. just uh, how much weight can you, you know? Like it was just this type of bodybuilding gym. It was uh, it was quite an interesting place. To yeah.
1: It was. There's some characters there. So, um,
2: but yeah, he came over and he's like, oh, I do mortgages, and I think I, that time I was investing, and I think that's why you're it like, yeah, you started. do some mortgages. Yep. So just if you need anything, and then the reason I reached out to Dave the first time is I had a pre approval. You, I don't know if you remember this or not but I had a pre-approval on a property and I thought a pre-approval at that time this was my first property so I was 21 and I thought a pre-approval meant you could get the mortgage so I went in and I bought a house that was pretty run down and the listing said for land value only Oh my God! Yeah. so where I got the mortgage so I'm like I went in firm I'm like okay you know that that's fine I'm going to fix this place up or whatever and then that the was mo- when you were t- well, how old were you? 21 yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like pre-approval I'm like going I thought in that firm. means you're approved right? <laughs> And, Just to um,
1: clarify, though, Nick got a pre-approval from a bank, not through Dave Butler. No, 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 not <laughs> from, <laughs> Dave, yeah, from someone <laughs> this else. Would never happened with Dave. So so it was actually
2: a broker. It was a broker f- with another company. <laughs> so you, you went behind Dave's back. So, no, I, no, we I didn't. We didn't, didn't know, know each other. We didn't
1: know really that we, each other were doing what we were doing. So, so then,
2: um, and then this guy comes back to me, and he's like, "Hey, I can't get you the mortgage." I'm like, "What are you talking about? You said I'm pre-approved. We're good." And he's like, "No, it says for land value only. I, I can't get you the mortgage." And I'm like, oh, this is a big problem. Like in my life at that time, that was like, even as was weeks out from closing, it was a major problem in my life, right? And um, so I'm like, what do I do? And then I reached out to Dave and we made it work. You know, there's different circumstances and stuff. I didn't even know what the heck he did. All I know is that I was getting a mortgage and I felt like I wasn't going to get sued or something bad wasn't going to happen and I'm good now. Anyways. You
0: lived through it. I remember when you gave me Dave's number, I was in a jam on, I think on a refinance or a, I don't know what I was doing. And uh, the my mortgage contacts were failing everywhere. And you're like, I don't know, I got this guy, Dave. Why don't you call him? And at the time I was in the corporate world and I was used to just dealing with like corporate world people. Dave, not that you're not corporate, yeah, yeah. you're corporate.
1: <laughs> but you, but, but I don't then think this I guy, was at that age. This no, you were probably <laughs> working on your condo or yeah, something. Yeah. Like. I, I, think I, might, I think my first year was in my dad's basement. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you called me up and you are like, Hey, man, it's Dave. So how much money do you make? And do you have that on paperwork? Can you send me the application? Can you send me this piece of paper? Oh, yeah, no problem. We're going to get this done. And I think you just hung up the phone. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. I think... I th- I think I got approved for a mortgage or a refinance or something. But to your credit, you went and got it done, it and felt, that was my first exposure with you.
1: It felt easier back then, especially compared to today, for sure. Oh.
0: Okay, so you know what? Let's talk a little bit uh, about today, since you brought it up, because we'll talk about a bit about your backstory in a second too. But uh, latest, I don't know. Can you let everyone? What's the latest five year? Let's give a quick mortgage update. Latest five year rates.
1: We're we're hovering on a five year fixed rate. It looks like everybody's hovering in between this kind of you know three point one nine, three point two nine with some of the smaller lenders all the way up to you know maybe even 3.49 we've seen 3.59 as, as most of your um, clientele and investors would know the the interest rates are unfortunately a little higher on rentals these days so uh, these days it's pretty much a range I, I know that's not a pinpoint answer that everyone will want to hear but you're you're anywhere between 3.19 as high as probably 3.69
0: and um variable like what is there any discounts on variable or no
1: variable is kind of all over the place too I mean we're we've got as low again depending on owner occupied or a secondary home or a rental but you're I've seen as low as believe it or not in the 2.4 range all the way as high as uh probably close to three I mean you got prime sitting at what 3.4. Five today. Obviously, I should know this. Yeah. 3.4. I should four, know, five. too. And I don't
0: know what it is right now. Yeah,
1: 3.45. So you're a lot of people. Are, I'm seeing discounts from big banks of like point six off. Right. Getting okay. you down to probably 2.85. But I've also some of the smaller lenders. If you're buying at, you know, a home, let's say less than 20 percent down. I mean, I've seen as low as like 2.3, 2.4 so.
0: Okay. And anyone listening to this who um, isn't familiar with how mortgage rates are determined, fixed rates go off the bond market. Do we want to get into any more detail uh, than
1: that? You could talk for hours, but basically the fixed rates are are pretty much correlated to the bonds, Canadian bonds. And then the variable is obviously the prime rate is set by uh, the government. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Until they drop the rate and other the banks follow suit. We don't, I don't. I won't go on my, my anti bank rant, rant, rant <laughs> just yeah. in case any, any of the lenders Why, are interested.
0: What, what do you mean until they drop the rate? Well, remember when, they
2: were, when Bank of Canada was putting the rates down, like, what was it, a couple years ago? Uh, and they were putting the rates down by a quarter point. And the oh, and we were like, didn't get the full Oh, we're discounted. just going to put them down by like 0.15. Yeah. Well,
1: I told you guys I wanted to start a campaign a while back. We say, where did the point 0.3 go? Because we lost. Uh, we lost point was it point two or point three? I think it was point two. Remember they it gave, was point, it was, that went no, into one no, point, point one two, two times. Yeah. yeah. So, no, that
0: went into the steak dinners eaten off Bay Street. Yeah, because in we've Toronto. never yeah. got that back, by the
1: way. We've never yeah. got yeah. that back to date. So there were three prime rate increases, right? Of well actually we go back, we go back the latest two prime rate decreases. We're both a quarter percent by the Bank Canada, but the banks only recognize 0.15. Yeah. Right? And then they went up three times since last July, and we've been taking the hit on the 0.25 the full time. We've never got yeah. that 0.2 back. We need to look into back. this. We need to we hire... Need to start we start an investment. We invest need a Facebook campaign. Us. You know what? We yeah. need to reach out to... Not Justin. anymore. I don't think anyone wants to see Facebook anymore. we got to start it on Instagram Yeah, there's a new, we got to go on the new one. You know what? We need to
0: read, reach out to Justin Trudeau on where is the point 0.3.
1: It's, it's gone. I mean, it's in the bank. I mean, there's no... You know, I Think how much profit that means to the banks. It's oh ridiculous. my gosh. On that much, on that much money,
2: it's monstrous. This yeah. is the
0: ultimate principle of the closer you are to the money. You know in business how we always talk about the closer you are to the money, the more money you make? Yep. Mm-hmm. And the further you are from the money, the less money you make. This is just the ultimate definition of they are the closest to the money. They dictate the <laughs> rules. They make the most money. But well, what's uh,
1: sad is that in this age... I mean, we're doing a podcast here that, you know, can be listened to by thousands of people. Um Justin Trudeau age, listen, Justin Trudeau listens to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well and hopefully he will do something here. But in this age of all this humongous web of communication, it's gotten lost. The point two has not come up. Point three. I think no point it's point one times two. What was it, it was point, point one one twice. Two. Point one five twice.
2: Uh, no, I think it was... It was a point. No, one wait a three second. Three. Hold on. No, no, I should I know forgotten. this. And I now think think, I've forgotten. Maybe
1: yeah, it is point 0.1. I think it is... Times two. Times Yeah, I think because we got 0. 0.15 twice. Yeah. We didn't get the full Either quarter. way, it matters. That's yeah, a lot, th- a lot of bottom money. line is they've never given it back to you know Canadians. Know because
2: everyone has short memories, right? Yep. Just like... So So that's a really interesting point out. Dave was saying that people have forgot about it because when people now talk speak of interest rates, everyone's like, well, interest rates are going up. But if you look historically, interest rates are at such a low... Like you're talking about rates in the 3% Yeah, we're range. talking about them like they're the going
0: level. up like it's a bad thing, but we remember working with investors at over 5%.
2: Yeah, 5 even 8 Thinking When they had to go to B lenders, we had people that were buying properties at 8%, yeah. and then our parents, I know when they were buying properties, they were in the high teens. 16 and a half. Yeah. Right?
1: Late, 80s, late 80s, early 90s, yeah. all of our parents, if you're in our age gap of, what, 30, 40 years old, then yeah, I mean, yeah, your my parents fa- had a rough ride. In my the father in law, Dave, I don't know if I've ever told you this.
0: My father in law drove home from the cottage in the early 80s, got a GIC from the bank at 18% interest. Yeah, I believe. A GIC. That. Yeah.
1: Well, that was a great time to actually oh buy Can you imagine? investments from yeah. the bank. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Our parents, at that exact same time, had a mortgage 16.5%, yeah. which was considered a good rate we had family friends I'll never forget in Etobicoke played in their backyard one summer they lost their home on the renewal because they couldn't afford the renewal after interest rates yep. went up and uh, they lost their home so yeah, this would have been 1991 keys. 90 1990 uh, my dad's
1: told me a lot about. I mean obviously we were too young to really understand I'm old guy, going I'm on. old guy
0: I still have vague <laughs> recollections because I was really about like I was about 17 so I was
1: starting so you're seeing it yeah. yeah yeah I remember my dad would tell me that, that he's because he, when I was getting the mortgages I mean I would always say well what happens if ever the rates go high and he would say well that wasn't too far long ago people just used to they couldn't make the payments, so they would literally just walk into the bank and give their keys to the bank and just say we can't pay the mortgage and the house is worth less than what we could sell it for so now it's your problem and no one can even on imagine doing that today not no. not not lately
2: and
0: remember we thought remember we were convinced rates were going to stay low dave i'm sure you remember this all the way going back to 2009 10. But everyone around us was saying, hey, rates are going to go up. And yeah. we were like, no. I was really, right there saying it, yeah, too. We yeah, we were I like, was... I don't, we really don't think <laughs> rates are going up. Like, we can't look. you know." And, and today, this is the same story that I think they're forcing rates up. But it'll be interesting because the Fed in the U.S. just raised their rate. So now Bank of Canada, it'll, it's going to be super interesting because they're going to kind of be forced to follow because they didn't raise on their last meeting. So Bank of Canada's hands are a little bit tied. They're going to be forced. but. The but US. the Fed cha-
2: the Fed did change their pace. They said, okay. So from the last time we were speaking, they were on pace to 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 go four increases this year. They've already reduced it to three. Yep. And if you look at if you look at the last few years, they've always said they're going to raise it more than they actually do, like year after yeah. year. Like well, it, it's it's, it's a broken record.
1: Stock market is getting buried every time. Yeah. They so make so we'll yeah. see if they raise it so, more. This could
0: yeah. be this could be they've maxed out. Well, you know, maybe that maybe they're done.
1: Well, you know, I mean, at least here in Canada, I think one of the I think it was completely unexpected that they did a January move. I mean, if you and a January increase, sorry, to prime, if you look historically past uh, in terms of if they ever make a move on the first meeting, it's extremely rare. So uh, but this 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 government has shown, you know, and some of the decisions that they've made have, have been very, I think, uh, not with the grain as usual. And I think that's, believe it or not, I mean, the, what we hear on the street, as far as our broker side, is that the banks are frustrated with the lack of communication. Uh, there, There is there is virtually none. And back then, the banks used to have a heads up. That if they would know, you know, or if Prime was moving up or down, or if it was staying the same, and there's no, our understanding is there's no communication now anymore. So the banks are a lot of times being caught without this forward information that they used to get. Um, that obviously is putting them on a level playing field with everyone else, but it's causing ripples, you know, in our in our on our side. Uh, but it's definitely been a weird start. I mean, just the two two sharp increases last year. It wasn't very slow. I mean, we've had technically, if you think about it, we've had three prime rate increases in what six seven months. So I mean, that's that's that yeah, feels big. like it's that's been pretty aggressive. I mean, that's a that's a big relatively
0: bounce. aggressive. Yeah,
2: and well, uh, they were it, trying to do something to slow. I mean, it was so crazy yeah. last year the market that they. They were just they were in desperation trying to slow it down and crossing their fingers hoping that it didn't destroy the economy collapse it yeah Yeah.
0: but um, something I was gonna say around interest rates ah, I've forgotten I wanted you to share um, just with everyone that what are Sometimes the word model line lenders gets thrown yeah. out. I don't think most people, like a lot of investors, may know model line investors or yeah. mortgage options. Can you just describe what's yeah a, what's for a sure? Model I mean, line lender.
1: A model line lender is basically mod. It's one product. It's, it's they have one product. They're not a bank. Like we're all fairly used to getting, you know, our parents or us getting a mortgage from a bank who also has checking accounts, they sell RSPs, they have insurance. Like TD, Bank of Absolutely. Nova Scotia. Absolutely, yeah, Bank of Nova Scotia, TD Bank, Royal Bank, any, any of the big, you know, six banks. Um, Monoline Lender is basically a mortgage lender that... Um, doesn't sell you checking accounts, RSPs. they just have a mortgage, that's it. So there's, they're not a one-stop shop for everything, they are just mortgage. And a lot of times what a monoline, why a monoline is interesting to people is that they actually have better interest rates, right, than the banks. That's the only way they can compete. You know, a lot of people say like, how do they have better rates than the banks? I said, well, think about it, if the bank and the this lender that you've never heard of have the same interest rate, but the bank has all these you know auxiliary products you can get, why would you go to anyone other the bank? Like most people would choose the bank because they see it on commercials. They it, they're used to they're just used to it, right? They're not going to go to someone they don't know. But when you present a savings to a customer and say, "Hey, this lender you who you've never heard of will actually give you a better rate than your bank," they're not going to have all these other products for you. They're just going to be there for the mortgage. It's enticing, so that's the only way they can actually get their business. So they have figured out a way from a cost perspective and you know capitalization of funds, that they are able to give a slightly better rate than the bank so they can bring in some business, um, and they're still profitable. They're certainly not as profitable as a bank would be. Um, they don't even have all the products a bank would have, but they have figured out a niche where they can actually exist in this market.
0: And there's some of the example names of some... Street modeling. Capital,
1: um, uh, MCAP... Um, Got it. So you're, Indiana, just, you're just
0: never going to see a bank branch physical location. Nope. You generally access them only through mortgage Phone brokers?
1: and even online. And th- yes, I mean, as far as you're only able to get their product through a mortgage broker. And then once that they are now a customer. With that particular lender, the only real communication between the lender and the customer is via email or phone. There's no real physical, I mean, there certainly is a physical office, which is just full of a bunch of underwriters and people selling, you know, putting together mortgage applications. So there's no actually physical place to go and wait in line and talk to somebody there.
0: So, and the other thing I wanted to discuss uh, briefly is that. Is it still the case where CMHC has a whole bunch of mortgage products, but not all the Canadian banks are offering all those products? Yeah, that's... Which most Canadians don't know
1: about, which always, to me, freaks me out. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems over the course of time that each particular lender is getting more picky with the types of products that they will endorse, that, that the insurers do offer. I mean, CMHC and Genworth have tons of products that are not actually used by really any lender. There might be one lender in you know uh, Saskatoon you know that you might be able to use that can do this product. but they they have so many different restrictions. they don't follow a certain guy. everybody's you know it's just a different world. so um, but there are tons. I mean I get asked you know what I get asked a lot about is this 15 this 85% sorry loan to value commercial? Program that CMHC actually has like online. They talk about it. I'll get, you know, call some clients. You know, they'll ask me about commercial. I'll say, yeah, you're looking at, you know, 25, 35% down payment. That's the typical, you know, standard. But then good. they'll find that CMHC. And then program. they'll come back to me and say, wow, I heard you can do 15% down through CMHC. And I said, good luck finding a lender that's going to do that. I mean, it's yeah. just not only that, but
2: uh, I didn't even know they had that program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been on the site looking yeah. at all the different programs. Yeah, First National that
0: uses that program. That's the, the program, First National uses a lot for commercial. They get theirs insured?
2: Yeah, they can. Oh, they're, they're they can,
1: but it's, it, the approval rate is so well, low. Well, that, that's the you thing that mean? I think most so.
0: Canadians don't understand on commercial. When you try to use one of the 15% down on commercial property, CMHC very rarely appraises the product, whatever mm-hmm. building you're going to buy, at, at the, the true you value. You paid, so yeah. if you, let's for simple math, if you're going to buy something at a million dollars and you're like, oh, I only have to put down 15% on this commercial property, mm-hmm. whether it is commercial or an apartment building, Right, because over six yep. units is going to yep. be considered commercial. Um, CMHC rarely comes back with their appraiser saying it's worth a million. They'll usually come back and say it's worth eight fifty. Yeah. So now you're getting fifteen percent down on eight fifty, but you have to come you up with the under hundred fifty. So yeah. if you were going to put one hundred fifty thousand dollars down, now you have to make up for the other <laughs> hundred fifty, and it's like you're putting yeah. down thirty yeah. percent, but you're using the fifteen percent down CMHC program.
2: So I, yep. you're right, and, but I knew I knew about that for the multi-res, which I, you know I'm I'm just attributing just because lately we've been looking at commercial as an office space and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. That program applies to commercial. Office space as well, or just really multi-residential? I think it's multi-residential. Uh, multi-residential it Yeah, I think it was the multi-residential yeah. I should look stuff. into it just to know in case there is anything for other types of commercial properties, yeah. right? As well, I do the air quotes, I like everyone can hear me. It's, it's yeah.
1: funny, you will, you will find a bunch of programs in there that you will actually look at and say, wow, that's an attractive program. On C- CMHC's web website? Yeah. yeah, for a buyer. But then but the you will not the lender's like, find there's it. no way, and yeah. now I'm giving some money for that <laughs> You thing. won't find a lender that'll actually endorse that product like that you know so you can go and get an insurer to insure but you still need a lender to give you the money you know what i mean so if there's no lender that wants to stay within that program then you know because a lot of times it might just fall out of the bank's or that lender's particular guidelines so they just don't they want won't to do, do it. it. No, What's yeah.
0: frustrating I found is when Nick and I were buying properties early on, we would go to just our one bank and they would say, "No, you know, there's no CMHC." Well, first of all, we didn't know there was CMHC and other mortgage insurers. Yeah. Um, and then there we they would say, "Oh, well, CMHC doesn't offer this kind of product." But then if you went to another bank just down the street, that bank might be offering that CMHC yeah. in product <laughs> and you could have got financing. Yeah. And the clearest example Dave, I don't know if you remember this, but probably 2010, we had a, a woman who was buying an investment property, maybe it was 2008, it was as the mortgage rules were changing, mm-hmm. and she wanted to put t- 10% down. Mm-hmm. And Jim Flaherty, late Jim Flaherty, our l- late finance minister, just changed the rules for CMHC products up to 20% down, because CMHC used to have some investor mortgages at 5% down, even 0% down. Yes. Remember that era?
2: 0% amortized over 40 years. There was an investor <laughs> that was just in here, an investor who's been a member for long, long long time we've known for so, so 10 years is what he thought um i won't mention the name but he uh he has one of those still he was talking yeah. about his first property. Those were the He glory still owns days. it. it's on a 40 year <laughs> Am- amortized mortgage and his ca- cash flow numbers are huge he's paying a bunch of interest but, but so he's, he's tax like, Man, deductible I've been, I've been making so much in cash flow for so long that he's like i don't care it's you, been great you need and to more-
1: repeat that though because new investors aren't actually maybe taking in what we're saying you could buy years ago you could buy an investment, an investment property with as little as zero, zero to five percent down yeah. i get it in insured
0: you know what at right. that point we were actually <laughs> getting some sellers to pay for closing costs even yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember we can't yeah. do that anymore. But we were doing 0% down financing with the seller paying for your legal and uh, yeah. closing costs.
1: Yeah, we the, the clause was written up nicely by a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. It was put in the schedule Declared A, right in and schedule it, it A, basically said it had nothing to do with the price and for a while there the banks were kind of confused. They didn't really know wow. how to deal with it, so what they would just this? kind of go with it, yeah. you know. But then after a while, I believe it was TD, TD Bay, we After down. a while, it, was, it took a couple years. I mean, mm-hmm. we were doing good for a while there, but and our investors, they, everyone was, you know, it was it was a very good value out of service, but um, or product, whatever you want to call it. But uh, TD, they're smart, and so <laughs> TD at some point. Figured it out, and they just shut it down, and then it was kind of like dominoes falling because then like a month later, we would find another lender who said, no, they're not doing it anymore, and it became There was a good now year then of transition we had to go through because then it would be on every deal, yeah. but then we'd have to get a change, so now the poor agent is having to go back to the selling agent and try to get them to amend everything. It was just a a pain in the butt, paperwork disaster. We did
2: hundreds and hundreds of deals like that, and and, Easily. And it was, at the time, we got so much flack from other so other realtors. are like, well, you can't do this. It's yep. fraud. We were told it's fraud. Get this. They're like, guys, this is mortgage fraud. Mm-hmm. You have to take it off and put it on a side agreement. I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? That's, Why? That, that's, that's fraud. fraud. Yeah, that's We're <laughs> This so, is right there in the <laughs> offer. Like you, we're not hiding yeah. anything.
1: A lawyer's done up the clause, oh and a bank God. is looking at it saying it's okay. So, I mean, it, after a couple of years, yeah, the bank's decided they don't want they to be don't involved, involved in it. But no, there was no there it was still yeah. out there but we got a lot of
2: flack for that early on yeah. because but then we just started explaining it to the residential realtors yep. We're like guys look in the commercial world, this type of thing is like Normal. extremely common, right? Yeah. This is what happens all the time. We're taking the same principle; we're just applying it to the to the residential side. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if the banks are choosing to accept it, now if the banks don't like it, after a while they don't want it for their financing. That's a whole different yeah. They're stored, in charge. Right? I mean,
1: it's their money. So but uh, yeah.
2: but yeah, that was a nice little trick. We were we were uh, there's a lot of investors we work with who really benefited, benefited, benefited from, from that. That.
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was during so it was during that time when they just changed the rules from that that this investor she calls and says, hey, I wanted to do like you know less than 20 percent down and I, I think i don't know who I, I don't know if she spoke to you i actually I, think i, I think, might know I think, who you're talking I, about I think she spoke to you and you were like yeah no problem we can do that and it was with an arm of td i think td had just purchased somebody and they were still doing 10 percent down because they were insuring them through yeah. Genworth or canada guarantee i forget who the insurer was yep. so that was the first big realization that i had said oh my god as an investor, you need to cover all your bases because the bank branch at TD is telling her 20% down is mandatory, but if you go through a mortgage broker, yeah. they have access to other
1: mortgage yeah. programs. It was probably a subsidiary of TD. It was a yeah, subsidiary. Was I think it was like yeah. TD Financial yeah. yep. Services
0: or yep. something. Yep. And uh, they had this 10% down program. Now, that's gone away, but at that time, it was legitimately available, but yep. the branches didn't offer it. Yeah, and that, that was, was that a was like light bulb moment, like, oh my gosh, how many deals have we lost over the years because we didn't have the right financing options? I
1: feel like that's when mortgage brokers were actually at their peak in terms of importance because there really was a ton of situations that like that that came up. Now, the bank people it's more have even, they right? well they got smarter and they just said, "Hey, if we can go get it insured or, you know, then we got to do the deal even if it might be technically against what we want to do, if it's insured, we should be doing the deal, right?" Yeah, now, that sounds weird because we just talked about certain products that the banks aren't using, but we're talking about just a common purchase insured by a lender no special program you know the banks at some point would turn it down before it would get to an insurer right that was really what it was so imagine i'm applying at my bank got it and the bank the bank looks at it and says "Eh, that's borderline we're going to decline it but they never actually sent it to an insurer right if the insurer approves the deal the bank's really at no there's no risk to them so they would decline it before it even got to an insurer it would get to say my desk and i'd look at it and say well, I got access to two or three insurers, so let's just throw it at the insurers and see what happens. And you'd end up coming back with an approval. So
0: And so the big three insurers in Canada, just so everybody's aware, because we haven't had you on before. Yes, so-
1: CMHC still obviously big number one. Then there's Genworth, and then there's AIG. I mean, they're called Canada Guarantee. That's their Canadian name, but I mean, it's technically the old. AIG. That's I the remember one.
0: when Canada Guarantee came in right around the financial. I want to say they started doing business in Canada around 2007. <laughs> yeah. And Nick and I were shocked when we learned that mortgage insurance in the States by some of our friends who were buying properties down there, it was paid like a monthly fee. Yeah. You bought mortgage insurance, and fifty dollars yeah. a month was tacked onto your mortgage. In Canada, when you pay mortgage insurance, the entire amount gets tacked Definitely. onto your mortgage yeah. on day one, and then that amount is given to the mortgage insurer on day one. Yeah, yeah. So they get their they get to com- reinvest
1: the money and yeah. just keep ro- exponentially so, rolling. So they're it insuring in. it maybe for a five
0: year term yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, even longer, I guess. You're you're not paying it again, but whatever. no, never again. Yeah, you're yeah. you're paying it one time. Well, I think they, they the insured
2: mo- up until a certain. Loan to value ratio or something. Is that how it yeah,
1: works? well, back remember back then years ago, and this would also shock a lot of people is that back then remember we could do refinances up to like ninety ninety five percent. So believe it or not, there was times where you could pay several insurance, you buy it at five percent down, then a year later you refinance it up to ninety five percent. You would have to pay another premium, but. As to your point, Nick, once once you have insurance on it and it gets to 20 or 25% equity, there is technically insurance just kind of falls off. It doesn't fall off, but it's any time that person goes to do any type of refinancing these days, the maximum you can get is 80% anyway. So it's now just a normal refinance with no insurance premium, so...
0: Got it. OK. And uh, but yeah, so Canada Guarantee, that was shocking to me that they were getting monthly fees. So they come into yeah. Canada. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful up here because we get all our money on day one.
1: Um, I think the Canadian banking system has definitely learned a lot of stuff from the states over the years, I would say. I mean, I I good I, or bad. I, good. I mean, go, I say I'd say good if I was the bank. Right. I mean, they've literally been able to kind of I mean, when you operate in an environment where the leader of your sector is about, you know, five to 10 years ahead of you usually, right? Then it does, it certainly allows, you know, the people in the Canadian banking to be able to make some moves you know based on what they can predict what they've seen happening in the states so i mean look at look at our system i mean we have six main banks i mean you know we have a cmhc and genworth these are yeah. you know big big Cash companies rich organizations yeah and i mean Is they Gen can purely
0: canadian or are they owned by some outside
1: i don't know myself it's i mean as far as i remember it was genworth canada so yeah. that at least the I name gets owned okay yeah um but i mean to to, to what we're talking about uh uh the systems are different and it's clear i mean when we saw that crash back in the united states in 2008 2009 we saw banks actually folding right like people's money actually going away that our system today is not in my opinion set up like that don't get me wrong i mean as we know if any there's something insane happens we've got every everybody's got a problem but i'm saying you know a lot it's, of the problems that happened in 2008 wouldn't actually happen here in Canada today. It would need to be a much higher magnitude. And I think, just think that's because we build in the Canadian government and the banking system has built in a lot of wedges to try to, that they've learned at least from, that the states I, have made some mistakes. I hope
0: so because, I yeah, the next financial crisis feels like it'll be interconnected between Europe, North America, China, and it'll be, you know south america it'll it'll be something so i hope the canadian banks are
1: really good. i I hope so too because i i think i think we're on the same page i mean something feels interesting at least this year
0: yeah yeah we'll see but um most investors who are starting will also ask um you know how many properties can i buy with the canadian banks and it's a really weird question as an investor because usually once you get to like five or ten properties you're not To always tacking on more and more single family homes, you can be buying other. You you'll sometimes tap equity and buy bigger properties and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So it becomes like a moot point. But people want to hear an answer, and I think the Canadian banks have tightened up. And between what you can do for people, well, most people probably cap out around fifteen or sixteen properties. I mean, assuming their income is amazing and their debt ratios are perfect and and stuff.
1: Yeah, you should be able to get. You know, roughly about, say, five, four or five with TD. Should be able to get four or five at least with Scotia. Um, after that, the, the, there should be some CIBC ones in the middle. There could have been some RBC ones, but yeah, I mean, in total, I would say, you know, if an investor said to me realistically, Dave, how much you think the maximum is I'll be able to get, you know, at the good rates with the banks, I'd say, you know, getting the fifteen's not easy. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I'd say the first oh gosh, eight, gosh, nine, getting 10,
0: One Getting your yeah. first investment property is <laughs> yeah. not easy.
1: Yeah, you know how many investors we work
0: with who have buyer's remorse after they sure. have a firm offer, sure. and you know, to their in their defense, I think it's, you know, you start freaking out like, oh my gosh, am I going to find a tenant? Am I going to be able to pay for this? And my friends and neighbors and colleagues are telling me this is crazy. And they go through like a whole panic. Not everyone, but a lot. Um, So yeah, one property is. is, Yeah.
1: I mean, getting started. I mean, but yeah, I feel like, you know, if you get started and you run this thing well, you know, and and you can get to a certain point, I think the first seven, eight, nine should be, pretty decent, likely done. Like you shouldn't really run into many issues. Once you get at 10 and more, it starts getting a long-term game. Yeah. I mean, it starts getting a little difficult. And then once you're at 15, you know, you're probably starting to get, what we've also
0: learned is that the banks will say rules, but then if they like you and your financial statement strong enough, sometimes those rules will bend based on your financial situation. Like at one point, we had a bank i'm not going to mention their name right now but tell us that they wouldn't do any more properties with us then they looked at our financial statements a few years later and they're like "Ah, you could probably get you one more or two, <laughs> two more properties you yeah know? um well there's yeah. a there's
1: a there's a you know as far as you know I, you guys know me by now i mean i don't there's no real bs i mean i i'm very understanding of the fact that you know mortgage brokers can't do everything i mean we certainly can't do a lot of what we could do before but you know, one thing certainly that we have an advantage on is obviously being able to deal with clients. But I look at you
0: guys like a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how we look at it in terms of with investors. I mean, you know, because I have no problem telling my clients, hey, like, you know, you can sometimes, if you do all your banking business with, let's say, for instance, Scotiabank, okay, and you have a bunch of assets with them, you have RSPs, you have GICs, you have investments with these guys, and you have a good relationship with them, okay, uh, and you have a couple mortgages with them, okay? They, they they will make concessions that I cannot get through sometimes at the broker. Just like a broker can do things that a bank person may not be able to do, which we've already established. Um, the banks, the branches can still do things that a broker can't do. Most brokers won't tell you this, they wanna hold themselves out as some end all be all situation, but no, I mean, there's, I have routinely with investors where I'm noticing I'm starting to get in the, gr- in the mud a bit. It's getting a little harder to get them approvals. I'm I will actually say hey look you do a lot of business with this bank you know go in terms to them of directly. assets go to them directly let's see what they're willing to do and it's you are surprised there are times when we come back with a guy you know investor or the woman will come back to me and say yes they approved it thank you and it's there are times when it doesn't, but I mean, it all depends on how the bank's doing at that time, right? Your relationship with them, how many more, assets how many do more mortgages they want that yeah, month and how much they think they can continue to build, you know, and encompass you with their products is really what they're looking at. Right. So, I mean, people say, well, why are they, you know, why would they look at my assets? I've already got assets with them. Well, because it's showing that you have a propensity to give them business outside of just your mortgage. And that's what these banks really are going for. You know, a lot of truthfully, I don't think the banks make a ton of of money as much as we all think off the mortgages. I think why do it doesn't make sense that they pressure us so much with the auxiliary stuff. And that's what makes me obviously, and I think most of us have all kind of come to the realization that they make their money on auxiliary the auxiliary stuff, stuff like yeah. insurance. Insurance, yeah. uh, you know checking and account, saving accounts. You know, they want you to have all their RSPs See, put I think, right with them. I
0: think they're making a killing off the mortgages. And they make even more money
1: <laughs> off yeah, the insurance I, I, and the auxiliary. I, 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 you're probably right. I mean, but it's fun, it, to us, it's at least with mortgage brokers over the last 10 years, we've really noticed a change with the big banks is that really? they are so on to the cross sell i mean it is huh. and it's almost to a point I guess where it the kind broker kind of just locks the cl- whoever well, you are with them right they
2: were saying their margins got squeezed when that's why they weren't that's passing That's why they didn't those, pass on the missing those percentages, whole points, right yeah. that's that, that's what they were saying yeah I that mean, was their claim right but their so. profit numbers were not getting squeezed at all cuz their profit numbers have been up 3 billion year over every the year. quarter yeah. so you know, you got to kind of read between the lines and make a decision for yourself. I
1: think they're probably... I mean, they're probably, they're probably just getting greedier, I would imagine, right? So they want... They're. I think what they're also finding is that if they really can encompass, you know, because you've got this... The online and everything else where everyone can do online banking, you know, realistically our society is moving into a almost a you know one stop shop now i mean it's more of a one stop shop situation than it would have been years ago so if you can just cuz you can access everything from your phone you can look at your RSPs, you can look at your stocks you can look at your checking everything so you can send people it, money as a bank i mean as if you're going to be really greedy you want you want the whole thing because you know once it's hard for them to leave listen once you got every everything. single account with scotia bank for example is it really that easy to go move yeah, no, everything right. else over to TV? It's the same right. approach
2: that, you know, yeah. Apple and, and and Google took very yeah. early on with people. Like Google just wanted everyone using their email. That's why they developed I mean their their software for their phone, they were giving it away for free to Phone manufacturers because yep. they just want people using it because sure. they're tied into all these Google services. And
0: these apps, the banks are coming out with, are really making stuff so easy. Well, finally, like yeah, mobile, it took them a like long time, time to get there. But some there, of these mobile apps now, wow.
1: Well, I mean, just think of the, the stock market stuff. I mean, with, with, with these, yeah, yeah. think of what you used See, to have I, to I do so back in the day think to about do the stock market to do. Well, that's a, just yeah, because Dave's trading all his marijuana <laughs> stocks, right? Yeah, now. yeah, So you're making <laughs> killing. So no, no, but it's like it's. I try to picture it from back in the day as to what it would. You had to call your broker, get them on the phone, get them to. But in the order i mean literally now everybody's just you could be on a bus and you're buying yeah, stock totally. of apple or google it's crazy so so how did uh, your dad's
0: in the... Did you get started in this because your dad forced you? So um, I'm going to use family slave labor?
1: Yeah, I, I, basically, yes. Because <laughs> did you start doing <laughs> deals for your dad, like paperwork and stuff for your dad? Uh, um, deals slave just... labor
2: was paperwork. Ours was picking up drywall scraps. <laughs> yeah. Ours was take uh, this
0: 50-pound box that I don't want to pay the hoist $50 on Saturday to lift 100 of them yeah. to the 13th floor. You run them up the stairs by hand. No, pa- still no pain, no gain.
2: I still remember when Tom told me the story he was cleaning up one of the units and, and you know the, the boxes of taper mud. You know, yeah. If you ever clean a construction site, you know those are always lying around. And Tom had to lift one up, and it was all—it was full of some you guy. You had to some guy pissed in it, <laughs> and he had to f- pick up the. It box. was full to the brim. It was lined with plastic because yeah. the tapers mud was in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It was
0: full to the brim, uh, brim. And when I picked it up, because it's a box and it moves, some of it spilt on me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm. So
1: disgusting. you had some Taper mud. Little taper mud. Scott Dis- uh, so Dave's, Dave's the doing the paperwork. Yeah. yeah. Paperwork
2: was you're looking high pretty class, good you. that you're day. high
1: class. Yeah. And I think about it, actually, I, and I hated it. So, I mean, what a spoiled little brat. In the, the, the summer. summer. <laughs> you're, pure white, you're
0: white Our, collar, we're blue collar. <laughs> Our father dropped us off in Croatia, and we had to, like, plow fields. I'm not joking. Behind huh? cattle. That they they put the little oh, the metal the, what's the yeah, metal that, that thing I don't know true. we didn't even have a tractor
2: and pick potatoes and pick heard. potatoes yeah. and load
0: them on
1: a donkey do you know how heavy a sack of potatoes? It's making me feel bad. I mean, yeah. I used to just bitch about. I literally would come. I would literally come mean, back after, a after of land, summer and vacation
0: <laughs> and some friends at school would say, "Oh my gosh, our family took us to Florida and we were <laughs> yep. on the beach yep. in Florida, Daytona Beach," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah," and they're like, "What did you do?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, like I picked potatoes all you know. I don't know what potato harvest season was in the summer." I don't know why that story's etched in my mind, but anyway, I remember picking potatoes. I always remember somewhere. the bad
1: stuff. I think I remember the traumatized. But you
0: know moments. what? It was. It, it was. it's felt normal. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just yeah, felt yeah, actually it like it wasn't actually that bad. Looking back now, it looks horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, it but looks I
1: mean, the same as when our parents used to tell their stories about how when they were kids, basically, right? So,
0: but yeah. so slave labor. You did some deals for your yes. dad, I guess.
1: Well, you know? my I was just I just got out of university and uh, had no idea really what I was going to do. Um, you know, I, I, but you kind of run your own business separate.
0: So you yeah. started working with your dad. Then did you at one point did you say, "I yeah, forget it. I'm going to do my own mortgage business."
1: Well, my dad. I, I think I had owed my dad a bunch of money or something that I had maybe borrowed getting through school or you know sure. my, survival. You know, yeah, so uh, I owed him, and uh, I had to do some work at his office um just started to i mean he would make me do deals and i would you know i was i don't know, 23 at the time 22 probably actually and uh, i was there for about eight nine months and but you know within about three four months i started getting interested in it um truth 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 i mean uh, no lie here i mean i thought it was at the time as a kid i thought it was a real easy way to make some dough i mean let's be honest it was you know, the the average mortgage was, let's say, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand at a time. And I mean, the idea is that back then you could make as much as, say, one percent, you know, of that. So it was it was as I was a kid. I mean, I had I yeah, was yeah. living in my parents' basement. So that's big Sounded money. great, you know, um, but I also I'm a numbers guy. I love I mean, I was always a math guy. Um, I mean, I, I ran a little bookie operation when I was in high school and university, you know, so I was always just loving numbers. numbers. Yeah, so I mean, it, did, it wasn't weird. Was the bookie weird. operation
0: successful? Like, were you profitable? It was, mm-hmm. it was
1: really good. I mean, I don't... Revenue can't, can't come back on you, like, oh, th- 25 years later, I don't think, right? Hopefully not. You know, I could also just be lying. I guess yeah, I could... Yeah, I'll, I'll this say this that. It's yeah, just yeah, a story. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a good story. Story. But, uh, story, Dave. I'll give you yeah, a little funny. story here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I didn't... It's not... It wasn't rocket science. I mean, this was how many years? 25, roughly, years ago. There was no... Uh, internet, you know, gambling. It was you had to call a bookie if you wanted to place. A bet. this is actually a, I remember, remember Proline had just come out. I Remember little sheets yeah. of paper. Yeah, Proline used to, had just come yeah. out, but Proline was a ripoff back then because you needed to win three games yeah, to win your right. bet. It was like right. all rigged, right? So you still would want to use a bookie. Um, and I was in grade nine, and I had watched this um, this uh, really smart Italian kid in in a grade above me running a bookmaking operation. I see everyone putting bets through him, so I just thought, "Well, that's I'll just." You know, and then the next year he was gone. He had, he went to different school. So I thought, oh, here's my chance. So I just I dominated. I came in and I'm was so like, kid. you know, this is it, a pretty detailed story. It, it just went with a total gamble. I mean, I, I just knew how that. How did he you was, How did
2: you pick odds? You went on. To I like, went. On, you
1: would just well, actually. So I was a gambler at first. Like I, I would. The reason I got into the whole scene was that I, I my Dan and I, who actually I work with Dan Patton at Butler Mortgage. We well, we were big Dan gamblers. The bus now, well, <laughs> <laughs> well we, we were we were at, was, back then. There was no internet to really have fun. So I mean, you, you gambled. we gambled a lot. I mean, we watched a lot of football we were big sports fanatics so we would want to you know be. once you, you get older Dave you're like right yeah. now,
0: but he's wearing his Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> paraphernalia yeah
1: I don't look like a mortgage broker okay. today for sure but uh yeah no we would we we started gambling and what happened back then if you wanted to put an actual bet and not get ripped off by Proline the government, was that you had to you had to wire money to Britain, right, to a company called Bowman's International. And then Bowman's International would give you all the lines. So I would cut you call up Bowman's, like you get the you get the money in an account there, you call Bowman's up, they'll give you all the lines. So we would just write them all down and then we'd now have the lines. And then every day we'd check in to see if the lines are changing, and we just change the lines wow. accordingly. But I mean the the only thing that really made sense to us is we said if we get an even amount of bets on one side and then on the other side we actually make 10% no matter what so it was like you know and then the crazy part really was that how bad you know a retail gambler is you know and what I mean by that is and this is where I learned a ton about just human. what I feel like brains yeah like how brains work for most part is that Say you got, you know, and this remember, it's from a scared environment. You got like a teenager who's only got a couple hundred bucks maybe to his name, and he's gambling with us, and he's betting, let's say, at the, you know, it's big football is the big thing, NFL. So you've got games at 1 o'clock on Sunday, 4 o'clock on Sunday, 8 o'clock on Sunday, and then you get the Monday night. So you really have four different segments of games that are going to happen in this really short period of time. And so you got people, they'll start betting on the 1 o'clock. So if they lose money, you know, they're betting again, obviously, on the 4 o'clock. But then remember, at 8 o'clock, there's only one game. And so now there's only two games left. There's the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter. So if you're down a bunch of money to a booking, or, or you definitely, you're betting no matter what, because you want to get your money back, right? But the it's the psycholo- psychology of most people would go with the favorite no matter what. Because imagine, I'll give you an example. like Imagine it was like New oh, nice. England against San Francisco. Say the best team against the worst team. It would be New England by like 18 points. But if you're down a bunch of money, you can't even stomach betting on the worst team. Even if it's 18 points, you're like, I, I got to go with the favorite. And so you would bet... A lot of times these people would bet on the favorites. Just so, to try to make any money, no matter
2: what the odds, just to try to make some Because they record. felt more secure. Yes. They literally yes. they would
1: feel, you would feel, I mean, think about it. You're a kid, you're down a bunch of money. Do you feel more secure betting a bunch of money on the team that's the worst team, no matter what, or the best team, even though there's a point spread difference in there? What happens once people lose their point spread out of their mind, they start to go, "Wait a second, I don't feel comfortable." Even though it's 18 points, I don't feel comfortable putting that much money on with a crappy team. So even though it's meant to be 50 50, psychologically they'll a lot of times lean towards the favorite. So that what happens is now, as a bookie, is you've got basically people that are down making bad decisions, right? And the fa- the lines are made so that it's you know the result is supposed sure. to be in the middle. Yeah. So you've got a lot of people betting. So you had I'd have a lot of money laid. But if I had already won a bunch of money at one and four o'clock, we would actually just take the gambler head on like we wouldn't offset it. So I could offset the bets up to in because I had an account in Britain if we, we had a heavy action on one team and then we had light action on the other team, I would just go and put the amount of money that was the difference over in England for the other team, even it out. We we can't take a loss, right? But if you after- were
0: running a sophisticated operation. Oh yeah, we, school, we, we
1: didn't want to lose any money. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money to lose, right? So it was like we had to play this thing really thin, right? So at the end of the day, I mean, bottom line is it taught us a lot about psychology. We had a lot of people that- you know, we would then take the gamble on because now we can't if even if they win the bet, we're just back to even right with these with this whole gambling crew. So basically, we wouldn't be riding against them. We wouldn't offset the bet. So now we'd have a bunch of money. But we, it was a no lose. We are going to even. Or we're doubling our profit. And then the same thing would happen on Monday. So imagine the favorite doesn't cover, wow. right? The underdog covers on mon- on Sunday. Now you've got the Monday nighter. So then the same psychology would happen over again, right? So that's, anyways, we, we did very well. I mean, I think we kept records in terms of percentage. I mean, this is why I say the the gamblers that were gambling with us at the time, only we, like the house, we won 61% of all the bets one year. So that means that the 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 gamblers were actually only winning 39% of their bets. So I mean just and that's just because it's supposed to be 50-50, right? But that's because when a gambler gets down yeah. They start to the make the wrong move, right? It you know, works against them. Yeah, and then if you're willing to take them on, then at that point, because you have no loss, that's when the, the house becomes the I gambler. Can to see right? Dave smiling? Well, because he's <laughs> smiling now? He's telling the, the been... story. <laughs> <laughs> I about to turn the volume it down felt, it on his mic. Cool. During this segment. It felt cool. It did feel cool at the time. I mean, we were running. It felt like we were running something. So, anyways, I mean, long story short, I had an entrepreneurial kind of background. Um, you know, even as early as like when I was in grade. Ten or eleven, I was in an accounting class, an accounting class, and we had a really like you know old guy teacher, you know just that he was the quintessential accounting teacher. Okay, but what happened was this: this guy was cool. He taught us. He said, "Does anybody, does everybody want to know how to make an extra hundred dollars from the government?" Every year. So we said, yeah, sure, why not? Right? I mean you're a kid, you're ten you're fifteen, right? So sure. you have no money. Yeah, yeah, You don't have a job. And he basically said that there, you know, if you file your taxes, right, as a kid, you have no income. So I have no income. But if he taught us, he took a whole like two days and taught us how to fill out a T one general and the Ontario tax credit is hundred dollars. So what happens is you would fill it out, you send in the T ones to the government and, and you they get would $100. send you a check for hundred dollars. So I have now. This guy has taught me this, right? So my first inkling is go to your friends. Well, I was, I had, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're playing all those sports back then. Remember, you've got your hockey buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got your soccer buddies. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your we're neighborhood talking, where you live, and then you got your schools. So you got four real segments of people that you know. And it, back then it was a lot more community That's than it's right it is now, you right? Hockey growing yeah, up, yeah. Hockey, soccer. I mean, yeah. we were on traveling teams. So I mean, you, it's a lot more. Yeah, you meet more people. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot more. Um, Yeah, Yeah, close-knit. Really close-knit, yeah. So, And if you're, let's say, a leader of that pack, you kind of just go to your friends. So I would say, hey, guys, do you guys want to earn an extra 50 bucks for free? And they'd be like, Yeah, absolutely. I said, Okay, get me this info, blah blah blah. I'd fill it. I say, Okay, so what's going to happen is you're going to get a check for a hundred dollars, and then you got to go cash and you got to give me my fifty because I'm doing all the work. So you got to give me the fifty bucks. I mean, it took me two seconds to do the T1 general, really, right? I mean, it was just fill it out. Yeah, I mean, but
2: when I was in grade nine, 50, 50 bucks. Oh my uh, god, yeah, that was a video game. That was like two video games, yeah. or you
1: could be like a whole month at the arcade. You know yeah, know what I mean, totally. So, well, fifty uh, bucks was a real deal. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was that was no was joke. A, that was a
2: red bill. You didn't get many of those red <laughs> bills at that age.
1: Uh, you didn't see them. You didn't what color it was actually the 50 or the 100 but yeah so i mean I, that was kind of my background I was just always very interested in you know i want to talk businesses. about this teacher
2: i like the fact that this teacher
1: oh it's ex- shout exciting. out yeah. to mr wilton yeah. i remember his name. i'll never forget the guy what, because what, he made what me high thousands school? of dollars what high school that was st martin's high school and yeah, uh, miss, saga miss saga there and mr wilton teach i hope you life, still teach life oh, skills Shout that, out yeah. to you my friend you taught me so, well
0: uh, so then you you broke off from your dad how did you start
1: getting clients um, oh before wow! Before you met us in the Mexicasa what was it called? Well, Mex- Mexicali Roses. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a shutdown franchise it's now. It's totally but, shut down. Um, so basically, when I, Well, my dad had my dad is a big marketer. I mean, you know, anyone that sees Butler Mortgage on, you know, they think it's you. They think it's me, and yeah. it's actually that's my dad, and my brother. They are the hyper marketing side of Butler Mortgage. Um, but before that, it wasn't Butler Mortgage. It was my dad worked as a mortgage agent at an independent brokerage. Right. So my dad was just a just a okay. normal mortgage broker okay. working out of a company you've probably never heard of. And but his his you know, he come from more of the 70s, 80s business area where it was just hyper, hyper marketing radio, you know, yeah. uh, newspaper. It was a more newspaper. It wasn't even radio yeah. back then. We didn't. He didn't have the money to do radio. Uh, it was just newspaper. So you classified section, believe it or not, and it's Toronto Star and The Sun. And so you would just basically, I, I would watch my dad. He'd put out a big ad, right? And so I said, Dad, do you mind if I put an ad out as well when I start my own? I'm going to go on my own. And my dad let me work out of his home office like i didn't have an office it was my dad had gone and you know from his home office and years later had gotten an office but he still had the home office, so I that, I thought. oh, it's already got a fax machine. This is when a fax machine was oh, like critical for your business, and it, yeah. Uh, and it had already a business you were phone in business and everything. If you had so a fax I, machine. yeah, it was. It, yes, you were a real. Were you those were legit. paper rolls? Those yeah. rolls of paper. <laughs> oh man! Uh, how many times did that toner come flying oh, out when you're geez. trying to change it? But anyways, I mean, that was. I had a real. I felt that felt like a real advantage to me that I had an actual office that had the things that I needed. And I asked my dad, Dad, do you think you know I could go out on my own, right? And uh, he said, absolutely. I think my dad saw that I was going to try to always do something, um, something different. And uh, he luckily, you know, what I he had said, where do you want to go? You know, do you want to work with the company I'm with now? And I said, well, the problem is it's an independent. And I said, I'm a 23 year old kid and I'm going to be the youngest kid that these, you know, realtors or clients are going to see. So I need to go to a company that people know. Right. And so back then, the number one mortgage brokerage was Mortgage Intelligence. That was who yeah, I remember you people would it. recognize at least because I needed something. I mean, I don't want to walk in to see a realtor or see a client and have an independent business card nobody's heard of. And I'm 23 years old, you know. So I basically went, wanted to go to Mortgage Intelligence. My dad, luckily, had known lots of people there. The guy who was doing the hiring, he spoke to, said, can you please hire my son? You know, he's, he's he doesn't know what he wants to do, but he's thinking he wants to do this. And that was basically what happened. I got hired by Mortgage Intelligence. And, and from there, I mean, I just asked my dad, can I kind of copy your ad a bit, and go in the classifieds? He was nice enough to say, okay, clients. Yeah, I uh, put an ad out. I think I had like, you, you know, I had a couple you thousand
0: ads. You got to tell us, because you've told us, I think, before, I've forgotten details of what your dad said when you were going to work with, uh,
1: well, when you said, "I hey, I met these guys that are going to work yeah. with investors. Yeah, he thought you were These guys want to talk to you. You know, they want to, this is their plan. They're going to. Buy, they're going to work with investors, they're going to buy rental properties, and they're going to do this thing called rent to own, you know, and they're going to have people, you know, investors buy the homes and then a tenant buyer will, you know, jump in and with a deposit and dah, dah, dah. I remember my dad, I mean, he's very old school, but, you know, he basically said, those guys are crazy. They're absolutely <laughs> nuts. They're- they they think they're going to actually get a tenant to give a deposit to an investor what are they what are those guys smoking yeah. right so sometimes
0: you, the ben, it's it's beneficial in business to be naive yes. oh yeah cuz we were clueless let's yeah. face it i almost, mean we were confident we were confident yeah. but we were clueless at the same
2: time almost yeah. always hour. it's better cuz once you have too much information it can you, you can outthink yourself and just stop doing things that you want to do.
0: And when you've made a little bit of money you feel like you have something to lose so you won't yep. try new things. Yeah. I'll never forget True. when I heard George Foreman speak at one of the marketing conferences we went to and he said before the George Foreman grill he had nothing in business and that grill took off yep. and then after the grill um, so this was five years ago they decided that in his business he wanted his staff to come up with a new product and they came up with some like George Foreman cleaner for the kitchen. It was like a spray environmentally mm-hmm. friendly cleaner and and someone takes a call at his office for one case of this cleaner, and the guy in his office is like, ah, oh, you know, it's one case. We don't really do such small orders, like because the Foreman Grill, they were, I guess, they were selling such big quantities of this thing that one case of this spray is like a tiny nothing. And the guy hung up the phone, and George Foreman lost it on the guy saying, you know. You don't understand. To start a new business, one case is a massive order. Yeah. We as a business have lost perspective. Yeah. You can't dismiss yeah. that customer. That customer go from might go from one case to a 100 cases a month. Yeah. You never know. And that to me just always stuck out with oh, me, that yeah. how you lose perspective. And some of the things that we even did when we were in our 20s in real estate, looking back, we were kind of crazy. Buying yep. rental properties, converting, trying to do refis. I remember when Nick told me about the first student rental we bought together and then you went on vacation, I had to go cut the grass. I tr- I was petrified, I broke up the lawnmower that I owned into the back of my Honda Civic. I drove to that rental property, and as I was cutting the grass, some of the tenants peered through the, the drapery in the back of the house, looked out at me, and I looked over at them, I, s- I made c- eye contact with them, and then I just looked back at the lawn in front of me, and I started shaking, I'm like, oh my God, are they gonna ask me for something? And I remember you said, they had emailed us or something, they said the microwave was broken, and I had bought a microwave off one of our friends, I used microwave for like <laughs> 60 bucks. And at the after cutting the grass, I knocked on the door and I said, "Hey guys, you know, I have a new microwave for you. I hope this is like up to your expectations or something." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I like handed over the microwave like I was handing over a first child. You yeah. know, like here you go. You're and wondering then I did, when they're gonna do some weird thing, like, turn off my problem. Yeah, yeah, man. totally. And they <laughs> took it. They closed the door, and I ran into the car, put the lawnmower in the car, and I drove home. I was just yeah. petrified.
1: Well, you know what? We. we Yeah, I mean, your point is 100% correct. I mean, when you're doing well, I think it's easy for you to not to think of the next big thing, Yeah, obviously. Next big thing.
0: It's easy to get comfortable. You think you know everything. You know, you have to be humble and stay humble. And It becomes
1: a shift. Your mind starts thinking more preservation. Yeah, what am I going to lose instead of what
0: I can possibly gain? And I think the big – we were talking about this in our team meeting, uh, Nick, this week at 10 a.m. on Monday – that, uh, how you create that burning desire, like what is it uh, for everyone? And the burning desire for me to quit my job was always to extrapolate forward, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, I'm 30 years old right now at the time. That's when I seriously started thinking about quitting. And I don't like what I see from the 50 year olds that are in this industry. Um, I can't see myself in that place. And and then if I extrapolated out another 20 years from that, I just started to freak out (laughs) and it freaked, I freaked myself out so bad that, you know, I ended up quitting my job and the whole bit, but that's always, it's that that hope, you made
1: that was a crazy move you made even my dad, you know it's so funny when we talk about my dad and like how he thinks about like some of these moves that we've all made i mean i remember telling him saying yeah tom's quitting his job and he's this is what he's gonna do and my my dad said is tom okay like is he going through something <laughs> like does tom realize where what kind of money he's making now and what he may make you know well, how low it could go when he starts and on it did his go own. low yeah, yeah, go I, mean, yeah. I got GST well, returns. I got GST yeah, 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 I got GST checks for a couple of years. The That's government all must life. have just been like, "What? What did this guy do? Wait, we're what not getting this, any. Uh, we're not getting any money from him anymore." <laughs> but
2: you know what? It's something I just have never been driven by <laughs> but money. We use uh. the T four before he quit. We used those T fours to qualify for mortgages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that, that sure. was that Dave, was smart, Dave. Yeah. Can you get us yeah. another mortgage quick, on this? Quick, how many properties can we buy? Like, when can I quit? I'm
1: like, whenever you guys think you have enough, because after that, we're not getting a mortgage. That was bad because
0: you're Nick. We're saying bye to you.
2: Yeah, we. I've interview so there's like multiple interviews going on in this office today so I, gotta, I gotta got it I got to run thanks I'll let you guys wrap up yeah, yeah I cool.
0: want to uh Dave we're gonna there's some private mortgage stuff that we're gonna bring you back to talk about but I wanted to uh just on that whole note um, I had three years of t1 generals that looked uh, amazing so we, we, we tried were to use set ma- for that
1: little time period that was good I mean but, we were
0: but that's when Nick and I started working with investors and at that mm-hmm. time then about after a year later I couldn't qualify for anything because my income was yeah. so low and I was yeah. self-employed. And I remember working with investors and they were like, well, are you buying properties right now? And at first, I always felt a little self-conscious. I'm like, well, trust me, I want to, but I can't <laughs> yeah. really. But, you know, you can trust me because we have done this. Sure. Do you believe, Please believe me. We And have you years feel bad because
1: you're supposed to be the owner of this company. So they're yeah, thinking like, yeah. what this guy can't buy a yeah, house. But it's guy, like, no, yeah. no, we're. that's the trend. Mm. Everyone that does go from salary to self-employed has a two-year, basically can't-do-anything zone. Right. I mean, that's just it's because you have to. Is that be, what it is right yes, now? Even so you need the, two years. The rule is you need to, two years effectively of taxes for when you're self-employed. So if I go and I quit my job, let's say December of 2017 for a lack, you know, we'll just go right there. So I quit my job and I become self-employed at beginning of January 2018. I effectively cannot apply for a mortgage until at least 2020 because I need my 2018 and my 2019 taxes we don't get your 2019 tax from the government till the middle of 2020 so technically it's almost two and a half years that you may have to wait to actually be able to get a mortgage and
0: then when you first go into business for yourself you're expensing everything you possibly can and your income is looking horrible and I think that's when I think a few years Nick and I had to not take some legitimate expenses to try to get our T1 generals looking at a certain
1: stage or something. Yeah, some, it's I weird. Forget, I mean, I hate, I hate, it's funny because I, I hate, you know, I, I'm very much about common sense and if, you know, about saving money if you can on taxes. Sure. Yeah, of course. And you know, if, as for, as a mortgage broker, it sucks because I have to basically tell self-employed people that the more expenses you're using, the more you're hurting yourself for an application. So it's basically just, it's a no win situation for that particular client, you know, and, and, I'll even say to them, tell your accountant, I'm sorry. I agree with the way the account should be doing this, but I, in order to get you the house that you need to get, I need this amount of income. I say, tell your account to call me. And these people have called me screaming. They have literally called me saying, why are you telling me? i my, telling my client that I should be not using certain amounts of I said, sir, it's not that I believe that. It's that I'm trying to our client wants to buy this amount of home in this crazy market with these crazy prices. I need this income to qualify, and then it's funny because you can kind of tell, you know, how some how old some accountants get. They would start yelling at me, go, "Well, back doesn't that program exist where you can do the no income qualifier thing?" I'm like, "No, that's that's your you're now about a decade behind. That doesn't even exist anymore, right?" So, but it, I would have screaming matches with accountants over this stuff. But it was I didn't want the client to pay more in taxes. I just Wanted and to you know what, that's something we have
0: to compliment you on. Um, I don't think we recognize when we first met you how great you would be at coaching people to achieve their goals from <laughs> a more. No, like really, I yeah. it, it was weird because I, I really think when we were starting, we had a whole bunch of mortgage brokers talk to us. I remember some buying us subway lunches and dropping off pens and sure. doing different things. Uh, And promising the world. But you were the only guy... Because I think at the very, very beginning, there was two or three other mortgage brokers that did some stuff Mm -hmm. and you were the one guy who just kept delivering and coming through and working I, with investors. And like you would go, it felt like you were working till 3.30 or 4 a.m. every day. <laughs> and uh, we were like that, even though you were driving yourself into the ground by doing that, we were very appreciative that yeah. you were working those hours.
1: And I was just going to say, there was no, there was actually no special trick other than I at, at, I, at the age I was, I mean, I was a single guy in his early 20s and mid 20s. So I had zero problem working seventeen hour days, eighteen hour days. I didn't care. And
0: emails would come from you at like three a.m. I
1: I was. That became my motto. Basically, was that clients. I would wake up to you know the clients' email. and say, Wow, you just emailed me four hours ago. You know, while I was sleeping. I said, Yeah, I just got. I just woke up. You know, just. I I just (laughs) want to comment
0: on that. You know, the difference I found from working in the corporate world for nine years and then going out on my own is that. Going on on my own, not only it was chaotic, like I went from yeah. a comfort structure zone to chaos, not knowing how things were going to work out, having a little bit more fear on the month to month finances yeah. and, um, but I learned so much more about myself. This is going to sound cheesy, but I learned so much more about myself. I learned who my true friends would be. Mm-hmm. I learned uh, how to manage problems, problems that used to in the corporate world, maybe that I would... You, push up, are, you push up the ladder. Yeah. yeah, I would just think those aren't even big. Those problems aren't even mine. Oh, okay, yeah, like, they yeah. weren't even... Yeah, f- yeah. in the corporate world, I could you just say, it, oh, I'm going to escalate that <laughs> up to the next level. You know, that's above my pay grade. Yeah, exactly. This EVP will be calling you. And then you realize in, the, in when you're on your own, you're the EVP, yes, you're exactly. the CEO. CEO, CFO, you're CIO, you're everything. And uh, but and it is chaos. But I find from that chaos, like you doing these mortgages and staying mm. up late, and us running in circles, scouting properties all over Ontario and working with investors, and I found from that chaos really some some good shit. Comes yeah, you learn, like, learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself, yourself. Yeah. and uh, yeah. you develop a confidence. If you can survive through it, you develop a confidence that you know what it's. You can handle a lot of a lot of different yeah. shit, and problems i found really get small like you yep. know what used to be a big problem is now like yeah oh my big gosh. problem now even is a now problem. today in this business some people will come to us and say hey tom some people even within rockstar or outside well an investor might say hey tom i need to talk to you i got a pretty big problem <laughs> and and when i hear it i'm like that problem's not even a one out of ten yeah. like you know it's just yeah. and i don't mean to demean totally. them and i try not to but in my in in this world now after being out on your own for a while it's like you have no idea what a real yeah. big you, problem when is. Yourself,
1: when you're self a big problem is your business is basically dead tomorrow. Yeah, you know, yeah That's a big problem. Otherwise everything fear. is mis- yeah, yeah. mediocre to yeah. small. Well, the
0: bond market yeah. collapse, Bank of Canada <laughs> raised yeah. rates by there, some. That might that. be a big problem. But yeah, yeah aside
1: yeah. from that, there's really nothing else. So, that so, that so as we begin you. to,
0: uh, you know, wrap, I want to honor your time here too. So the, the Raptors, uh, you've been a long time Raptors fan. You big have time. great seats, uh, the Raptors fan, uh, whenever we get to, uh, abuse those seats and use them selfishly for ourselves. Um, my son's always thankful. Uh, Raptors are going to how far? Let's make the prediction because the uh, Cavs are starting to come together. It's March as we record this. What is it? March end of March. Cavs are starting to come together. Yeah, Cavs are getting. i really, I don't know why I'm not worried about Boston's Boston.
1: Actually, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with you, but I mean, Boston's already picked up two games on us. You know, just so that we Recently, we're, I know we we we're, we were a bit up of five a games. Now it's only three games, but. I think uh hopefully this is just a little lull and then we'll pick up a bit of speed. I was saying to Nick earlier, I don't know if I wanna go into the playoffs. Like riding like a 30-40 uh, super high game streak, like not win streak obviously, but just at a super high level, you do need a bit of down. You know, you don't want to go into. The, there's a thing as being too hot going into the playoffs, where the lull is going to happen yeah, soon, sure. right? So you, you kind of want to overconfidence. Yeah, you want to peak at the right time. But,
0: but doesn't LeBron look like he's really playing? It looks insane. like he wants to win.
1: I just don't think he has. I don't think he has the same team behind him that he has in years and that's why I actually think for like for me I know we're total homers but I'm saying I think the Raps can go to the finals
0: I think the Raps can too but I read some article on the do you subscribe to The the Athletic no I paid $50 a month a year to get all these sports journalists now right for The Athletic I did not know that. Yeah, you. It's I'm just an, all
1: over get, Yahoo and NFL. Oh no, the com, athletic, NBA, They run
0: in-depth in articles, man. The Athletic. Wow. Sol- you you got to pay. I think you get seven yeah. free articles or something. But it's all these sports guys writing. Ama- I guess what they. I think I read a little bit about it, and I might not be doing it justice, but they've all been losing their jobs in mainstream media. Got it. So what they said is they all banded together. They came up with the Athletic all around North America. You pay fifty dollars a year, and then you say what your favorite sports teams are, and you get amazing analytical write-ups yeah. about the Raptors, the Leafs, because the Leafs are about to go into yeah. the playoffs. I just ordered. The cheesiest leaf jacket i'm so pumped no you don't understand it's blue shiny kind of vinyl hey, looking it's the that time. says toronto maple leafs on the back it's got white <laughs> sleeves with
1: uh like studs yep. button
0: up do you remember those yeah, ones yeah. from like the 1980s yeah, Absolutely. i'm so pumped hey we're
1: star toronto is start from a hockey standpoint i mean it's crazy that like when i was when we were kids like our parents were telling us how it's been so long since the leafs won the cup it's we're i'm 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 40 next year like i'm i'm an old man almost soon you know what i mean so like they still haven't won so i mean this is an epic Epic. I mean, we're what 51
0: epic you know years. you said that i'm 45 so you're an old man. Oh, you know, it, I'm well, part. no, but you listen, know what? We're, we're not. We used to be just oh such kids yeah. and punks. You know what I mean? And uh, totally, you know. But you know what? In 1967, my, my our father came to this country in 1965. In 1967, a friend of his said, hey, do you want to come to the gardens tonight with us? Um, the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And my dad said. I heard, I don't know much about hockey because he's a soccer guy coming from Europe. And he goes, I don't know much about hockey, but I heard the Leafs win every year. So I'm not going to go. (laughs) <laughs> and then they haven't won can, yeah. can, can you imagine, they imagine Having that? that line though I heard the Leafs win Every year yeah. So I'll just go next. I'm not gonna I go this year I the last person I'll In Toronto go, to ever say that yeah, I'll just go next year Because I bet They're gonna win next year So anyway has, I, I keep reminding my kids board, You have no idea yeah. Like the Blue Jays Have been in the playoffs uh, t- We're big TFC fans yep. They won the MLS yeah, Cup Yeah you guys are Hardcore
1: soccer That's yeah. good for you You know it's weird I found that uh, I played hockey and soccer My whole life And the sports I love the most Are NFL and NBA That's very odd How that works I don't know. Huh. I'm sure that's uh, it's like you're either the, one, uh, yeah, 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 one way or the it's funny, other. Because I don't follow the
0: NFL at all. Yeah, like I follow yeah. the Leafs like insanely closely. Like, you and... what,
1: I think you know what? I it was, it was you were on a traveling team, so like that was literally your whole life back then. Was like just hockey. It would be hockey and then soccer. So I think I actually built up a disdain for it to the point where every other sport that I couldn't play because I'm what five six, you know, like uh, a stocky guy. So I mean, M- imagine me playing in the NBA or playing basketball, sorry for that matter, and football there's not it's not a great you know height sport you know whereas soccer it was more speed you know and agility and then hockey you know eventually when you as you get older hockey becomes a big man sport but when you're a kid it's not there's not a massive advantage to being big and lanky back then right but anyways i feel like you just either pick up a disdain for it or you continue on and you continue to love it but i hate it now I i don't hate it but i mean now i'm just all NFL and NBA. So, you don't follow the odd. Leafs at all? Not at all. I mean, I literally. Don't this tell me you're year, a Habs fan or something. No, not at all. I'm a big Leafs fan as a kid. I literally, I mean, I, I went to every. You know, we had to tons it. of games. My dad had season tickets there at the garden. You know what I mean? So, I remember those old days going to the hot stove lounge before the game. Yeah, and, yeah, You know, my dad would grease the guy that lets you in every time with a 20. That's how he taught me how to grease with the whole, you know, handshake and the 20 in the palm thing. Um, but
0: uh, our father, when he's business, drywall business was, was decently successful, he had seasons too. And I remember the games we didn't go to, I would go scout. The tickets to raise money for yeah. myself.
1: Do you remember Mike the Scalper and his kid? Do you remember there was I like oh, no. there was like a that was my dad would tell me if ever we ever needed extra tickets he'd be like go down and see the Mike, Mike the, scalper the Scalper and its kids. They're all they all work for Mike and I'd go down and I, I suddenly end up with tickets. It was crazy, but uh yeah, no. At least uh, I I I, th- I will say this though I, I don't want to you know I I'm definitely jumping slightly on the hockey bandwagon just because. Uh, to dude, know, I team. mean Austin Matthews. All my buddies have been telling me about Austin yeah. Matthews. I've He's watched a him deal. a couple games. He's a real deal. He is seems like the real Mitch deal. Jake Marner, Nylander, We Riley, got the right coaching. We I mean, got good coaching. Anderson, we have
0: a goalie. You know, we could use some help on, on defense. My favorite player by far is Jake Gardner. You know why? He's simultaneously the worst player on the Leafs <laughs> and the best player. He will go end to end and score a game winning goal. Rarely, but he yeah. will do it. And, then and at the same time, puck. he yeah. will cough up the puck in the slot. Ready for Just that to... thing they teach you so in tight Do not put it... the puck in yeah, front of the net yeah, yeah, and he just I don't puts it own a Leaf jersey right now But my son and I joke all the time That if we ever <laughs> see a Gardener jersey Instantly buying it Instantly <laughs> But no you matter, can't find one right now no, yeah, can't yeah, find Probably one can't one find one, one right, probably right probably now Probably don't yeah. make them That's uh, hilarious Anyway, Dave, um, thanks for doing this We're going to bring you on again Because we want to talk about private money a little bit Just to give everybody a taste of what that whole world's about Really, I know how busy you
1: are Appreciate you Thank you for bringing me on This was cool, thank you very much Awesome, man
0: Hey, it's Tom Kradza. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. We obviously had some fun chatting together. We'll definitely be bringing on Dave back uh, again to talk about different things. and uh, i'll just leave you with the rockstar entrepreneur summit if you want to check that out if you're thinking about starting a business you want to grow your existing business you want some information from people who are actually applying different strategies this is the place to do it Um, we're proud to do this kind of locally instead of having to travel around to different north american cities to pick up this information we really um, feel grateful that we're able to host something locally here for us all so it's june 7th and june 8th you can find out more information at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit Until next time, your life, your
1: terms.